All right, we're talking about mega brands, A-list celebrities, radio, television, Foley, sound design, so many places for you to start and grow your career. It's really exciting. Check it out. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Adam Claremont. This is The Adam Claremont Show, where we talk about how to start and grow a career in audio with actionable tips from myself and people I've met along the way. So before we begin, I'd like to help you build up your client list. If you're sort of spinning your wheels, you're not sure what step to take first to get the clients that you see other people working with that you want to work with, go to adamclaremont.com slash client list. I've got a PDF guide, a little step-by-step action that can give you some ideas of what to do next to reach that goal. So adamclaremont.com slash client list. It's free, takes 30 seconds. Would love to uh, would love for you to have that. All right. So let's get to the show. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Becca Falborn, who is the executive producer at Sound Lounge, one of New York's biggest, most prominent audio post-production companies, providing creative services for TV and radio commercials, film, television series, podcasts. They do so much and they do it really well. Becca oversees the commercial division producer team, as well as representing their roster of audio mixers. And she's worked with some big iconic brands like Bud Light, Mattel, Mercedes, McDonald's. We're going to dive into a lot that she's worked on. It's really exciting. And I'm really excited to welcome Becca. Thank you so much for being here, Becca. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on the guest side of a podcast That's for right. once. So you are usually on my side. You're usually running the ship and hosting, right? You're busy. Correct. I, I host two podcasts, one that's my own and one that is partnered with Sound Lounge and right. The Mill. I took a listen to yours. <laughs> uh, it, like yeah, my personal I, and your yeah, excuse? Yeah, so I took a listen to Unexcused. <laughs> and uh, it is very interesting and very entertaining. It's it's really about just, you know, excusing negative energy from your life, um, anything that no longer fits right. The way that you want to, you know, progress your career, your life, anything like that, because we've all had shitty people in yes. our lives. No, I love that. It's, it's great. I love that <laughs> whole topic for for a podcast series. It's great. So, <laughs> so tell us a little bit, like, how did you get to Sound Lounge? So, like, before, so me and you, uh, you and I, uh, we emet <laughs> over email. You hired the studio I work at over it uh, a couple years ago to work on a Mercedes spot. And thanks, you brought John Hamm into the studio. Um, that was quite an introduction. Here's this, you know, powerful executive bringing John Hamm here. I was pretty thrilled with that one. And I quickly jumped on <laughs> LinkedIn. By the way, everybody jump on LinkedIn because Becca's got so many great posts and she's really active and brings a lot of value to the audio community. But I've just been blown away ever since. Like that was my first interaction. And I just remember um, not every time when I'm dealing with producers or post coordinators, like the the communication is always kind of sketchy sometimes because I know it's a crazy hectic job and you can speak to that. Dealing with talent, Mm -hmm. especially A-list talent, schedules are nuts. You never know where they're going to be or what studio you have to cancel last minute. So, you know, I've got some sympathy there, but you were just like on top of it. I (laughs) I recognize that it just stood out for, from some of my interactions I've had with others. Um, But tell me how you get to a point like that, where you can just sort of be a boss with people and brands like that and just own the job. Yeah. So, um, let me see my professional path. Um, 
So when I initially, I guess we can go back to my uh, reality TV days. Um, Before I got into advertising and post-production, my first job out of college was as a production assistant on um, Tattoo Nightmares in Jersey Shore, the final season of the original series. Um, And Tattoo Nightmares was the... Uh, pilot season and pilot episodes that we were working on the reenactments at the same time. And I I wholeheartedly believe that starting my career in that realm made me even more efficient with problem solving and speed and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really have the time to stop and question what's going on. You just have to do and you have to think on your feet so fast. And there were there were times that I didn't when I was younger and I I was learning and getting my, you know, my sea legs. But after that, uh, the first two shows that I worked on, I went straight into two more. Um, I worked on Snooki and JWoww seasons two and three. I was actually there when Snooki gave birth to her first child. Wow. <laughs> um, so there was, yeah, there was a lot of of things that I kind of experienced in my career faster than I even was prepared to. And I think that having those experiences and being able to witness some crazy things that I never thought I would um, really gave me the tools to be able to figure out like, okay, um, if, if something has to happen, it just has to happen. And, and, you know, even like you were saying, I reached out to you because we needed a studio for John Hamm to record at for Mercedes. And he was in the middle of like nowhere about an hour and a half away from where you guys are. And, I had, I just had to find somewhere and we had to figure out how far he was willing to travel. And, um, you know, I've, I've worked with John in person at Sound Lounge plenty of times. He's a wonderful human being. He's super pleasant to yeah. work with and very easygoing. So you tell him like, hey, you got to drive an hour. He's like, all right, man, like I'll drive an hour. You know, he likes to have his coffee in a paper cup and like a quarter of a bagel. And he's ha- like happy as a clam or happy as a ham, as I like to say. It. <laughs> I um, think you, I, actually, I remember you gave me that tip. I think it was you who mentioned the coffee in the paper cup. I had for Yep. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's super easygoing and laid back. So, um, you know, it makes it easier when talent, when A-list talent is very down to earth. Um, but I think that, you know, also knowing that my client was anxious and nervous and unsure of what the outcome was going to be, where he was going to go, if it was going to be a good enough studio. And it's hard because we, you know, I've never been to your studio. I've never been to many of the studios that I'm sending people to. So it's a lot of the time it's a shot in the dark and you're just, you know, kind of praying that everything's going to go well, but it all worked out. And not to interrupt you in that one, but like from, from my side on that. I see that tentativeness a lot. And I also receive a lot of these like red flag SOS phone calls, frantic phone calls going, hey, we need to, we need a studio like today or tomorrow. What can you do? Because we just had this shit show wherever X, Y, Z and we're stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. I get I get that. Um, and I totally understand that tentativeness. So <laughs> I, I do a lot of. Yeah, okay, let's talk this through just to make you aware of like what we do. So it makes it a little bit easier. Because I don't want the talent coming yeah. here with that sort of unease, uh, that sort of like uneasiness either, because that's no good for anybody. So yeah. I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then so like after I after I worked in reality TV, I had transitioned into 
um, working in post-production. I got my first job at a color and finishing studio in advertising called Nice Shoes. Um, They were an amazing company to work for and to get my foot in the door. It's really how I created most of the connections I still have Hmm. today. Um, I was receptionist in client services, so I, I was just... Book, you know, helping book sessions here and there, but really just ingesting clients as they came in, checking people in. And I remember, like, I would study the list of clients because I just wanted to know who everyone was. And I wanted people to remember who I was. And I knew that the only way I would move up in this industry was who I knew. So I continued to network that way. Um, Finally persuaded their marketing director, Paul, who I'm still very good friends with, to let me go to ad parties with him so that I could network with even more people. And uh, eventually just kind of outgrew that role, needed to make a change, worked on the agency side, which I think anyone who works in post-production should work on the agency side at least once if you're a producer, because um, it's really important to really know what the client wants if you are the client. Yeah, of course. Um, That seems obvious, right? And just kind of understanding that. Always considered, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, I worked in business affairs on the agency side, which, you know, kind of gave me that uh, the knowledge of the legal side of everything and talent agreements and uh, music licensing and production contracts, things I had never thought that I would really learn. And now it makes me a lot more buttoned up with the things that I'm doing. It makes me understand why things have to happen the way that they have to happen. And uh, by nature, I'm just a very cautious person. So... You know, I want to weigh all the options. I want to see everything laid out. And um, I think that that's all of that combined, that really weird path that's brought me to here um, has kind of given me the tools to be as uh, what I think is as efficient of an EP as possible. Well, yeah. And and I love that path. And I love that um, for anybody, you know, the, the idea of, you know, sink or swim. Man, I can't think of another valuable life lesson than being tossed in those situations, you know, and especially if it helps if you're in those situations with people around you who can really like help keep the things afloat. If everybody's in the same situation, Mm -hmm. you're kind of screwed, right? But you need, you need those sort of role models and those references to like say like, okay, this is how I got to act. This is how I have to conduct myself. This is the expectation. Um, I might not have all Mm -hmm. the tools ready to get this done, but at least I see like what it looks like around me by examples right so yeah, yeah exactly so i'm sure that helps shape everything so i'm curious now that you're at sound lounge who primarily is audio focused am i correct yeah there, i mean mm-hmm. that's the big deal yeah we're only audio yeah. that's all we do <laughs> so um was audio always part of your background or your career goals or is this just sort of like where you landed i honestly never thought i would work in oh. audio um <laughs> Which is funny because uh, my ex-boyfriend was always wanted to be an audio engineer. He went to Berklee College of Music. And I remember trying to get, I actually tried to get him a job at Sound Lounge when I was working at Nice Shoes. And then it's just funny how I ended up getting a job at Sound Lounge. Yeah. And he didn't. <laughs> um, is that how the but, relationship ended? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, he's definitely never going to work in audio in New York. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I never thought that I would fall into such a niche market of post-production. Um, I always wanted to, I, you know, I, I dabbled in video editing a few times. Um, I'm, you know, kind of, I'm well-versed on Avid and and Final Cut. And I still work on some, like, projects on my own on the side. So 
I never really thought that I would be in audio specifically. I knew I always wanted to be a producer, and I knew I wanted to be an executive producer before I turned 30. Um, I just didn't know where necessarily, so um, did both of those, so that's That's fun. That's great. You you nailed that right to the T. You you said before 30, that was like part of it? I love that. That's Mm -hmm. great. I got to do more of that. I just, you know, a little aside— um, actually, I was just writing about this the other day on, on LinkedIn. I've been doing to-do lists for forever, like physical to-do mm-hmm. lists. Um, yeah. For me, it's like all about focus and getting things done and eliminating like the aimless work. You know, you mentioned efficiency before. I have to write it down. I know everybody's got their way. Um, but, you know, I've been reading forever about like, you know, like manifestation. This is going to get a little like woo-woo for a sec. But like the idea of like <laughs> physically writing down your goals yeah. and like saying what you just did and like really pinpointing it. I just recently had the epiphany, and I've only heard it a million times, so, like, this is how slow of a learner I am. <laughs> like, I just had the epiphany. I should actually be doing that daily with not just my to-dos, but, like, my goals. So, like, I've just yeah, – so like the, sure. As soon as you just said that, I was like, man, here's an example of someone who said, <laughs> by 30, this is the thing, and here you go. Bam, you nailed it. I just got to get yeah, better at that. Yeah. So thank you for at least, like, showing me this is, this is doable. <laughs> Yeah. And I think for anyone in their career, you know, trying to figure out their footing, there's plenty of times where I was, you know, I was like 26 and I was like, that's so unrealistic. I was, I was still working at uh, the agency I was at. I was a business affairs coordinator. I was like, how am I going to do this? I don't think it's going to happen. And I doubted myself so many times. And then there was, you know, I, my sister is is a huge role model of mine because she puts her mind to something and she does it. And if it fails, she gets back up and she doesn't let it. She doesn't let anyone tell Good. her no. Um, and, uh, you know, watching her career path, you know, she's super successful. Um, it just made me want to do more and, and, you know, follow in her footsteps and try to strive for whatever I could. So whenever I would fall down or something wouldn't work out and I'd, you know, wallow in my own self-pity for a little while, I would, you know, always say, if I'm going to sit here and be sad about it, that's not going to make it happen. If I'm going to sit here in my own self-pity and say, poor me, poor me, poor me, why isn't this happening to me? Why is this happening to someone else? Um, That's still not going to make it happen. So the only thing you can do is to continue to try and show why you're, you know, why you're worthy of that. And I think whether you're a producer, an engineer, an assistant engineer, an intern, if you show that you're worth a company investing in you, they're going to do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I tell interns a lot, um, you know, there's so many people interviewing for internships everywhere. And especially, you know, the past 10 years or so, there's so many audio schools turning out students, which is great. The access is more readily Mm -hmm. there for people who are interested in the industry. But the competition is steeper than it ever has been. Um, There's definitely like more work available, I think, than there ever has been. But that's another thing. But like the point of like, if you're interviewing, push the envelope, make, don't make people have a choice, like make it blatantly obvious that you're the one. So just whatever people are doing, do 10 times more. So like come in with a resume full of, you know, 10 links to voiceovers that you recorded, to ADR that you've done, to sound design you've done, to records you've recorded and mixed. Yeah. Like 10, 20, 30. With YouTube, you can strip everything and do it all from your house. You don't need to be on a job or get paid for it. The person who's hiring doesn't care if you got paid for it. They just want to see the work that's done. No. You're not going to find another intern who's going to do that or an interviewee that's going to do that. Exactly. So just push the... You know, make the decision for these people. That's obvious. I would. Yeah. Who wouldn't bring an intern with something like that? 
right? <laughs> whenever my my friends, yeah, whenever my friends ask me, um, like my friends who who aren't on the hiring end, or if they're looking for a new job or um, they need like career advice at all, they're always asking like, well, what do you look for in a resume? Can you look over my resume? Or what do you look for when you're interviewing someone? And I always say, I need to remember them. Like first and foremost, like you could have not the most experience, but if I show, if you show that you have the drive and the knowledge of what I'm looking for and you set yourself apart from everyone else, you're automatically on the top of my list. Like yeah. hands down. So, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge factor. And, and, you know, when, even when we're, you know, I'm constantly getting random resumes sent to me, even if we don't have job listings out no. there. Um, and I, I will say the one thing that is my biggest piece of advice to anyone who's doing that is do your homework on where you're sending your resume. Because <laughs> the amount of times that I get resumes for people who are like, I'd love to be part of your musical team. If you look at our website, we don't have a music right. department. That's not what we do. So don't send that to us. <laughs> no joke. I got, um, I received an, an inquiry one time for an internship um, and, and full disclosure, and I've said this all the time, I never look at resumes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about resumes. I just want to see personality and like meet somebody. So I figured I'll do yeah. an interview. Um, actually, first, if they respond back to my email, because my first thing is they'll email me with a thing and I'll say, okay, email me back in two weeks, a month, whatever it is. If they can't do that, they don't get the interview. If they mm-hmm. can, they get the interview. That weeds out about 90% of the yeah. people, quite honestly. <laughs> yep. So there's mm-hmm. an interview. So I'm going through this whole spiel about the studio and everything we do here and and at the end of it, she goes, yeah, so I'm really interested in this design internship. Now, we have designers here <laughs> as well, graphic designers. I'm like, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't – of all the people, the email correspondences, yeah. you couldn't have said the first minute we walked into a recording studio going, I might be in the wrong spot or talking to the wrong person. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, anyway, just an aside. Yeah, know who you're talking to, please. <laughs> so, yeah. I had I had someone one time come in for an interview, and they, they only – they looked great on paper. They only had time at, like, 8.30 in the morning. And I was like, great, i got to be at the office half hour early. <laughs> um, and I'm like, this person better right. be good. And then stay And then <laughs> I get there. And no, they they were there. They were you know underdressed, which was a huge no no to begin with. Um, and then they were very aloof and just kind of like, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to figure out like if I even want this job. And I was like, this interview's <laughs> over. Like I can't. You just wasted oh, my time. Man. I've barely had coffee yet. It's just you know no. Don't waste anyone's time. That's like a huge factor yeah. too. Like you said, it's you know speak up. Yeah, so let's let's um, bring that conversation with that in mind. Don't waste anybody's time. Let's talk about mm-hmm. uh, what it's like in the studio during a session with Becca, with one of your clients. Um, I would love for you to explain uh, to the people who have never maybe been in the room or on a project with an advertising agency, um, what are the expectations like? What's like the atmosphere in the room is it tense is it fun um you know just explain a little bit about that so that people get understanding yeah sure so um i will say majority of the time the producers on our end are not actually sitting in the room but there's also a decent amount of times where we are called into the room because the client wants us there so um and obviously the past few months it's been a lot different but 
uh, we also make sure that every producer, when they start, sets in multiple sessions to make sure that they're aware of what they're producing. Um, so I will say uh, the one thing about audio and advertising that everyone needs to understand is that we are the last end of the, like the last piece of the puzzle. We are the, you know, the finish line, if you will. And um, clients are always semi-crazed when they come to us and a little frantic because they know that they have to, especially if it's a campaign that's got a quick turnaround time and they might have used their whole budget up on color and editorial already or production. And then they're like, hey, we have these campaigns. It's, you know, we'll get the request on Monday or Tuesday and they got to ship by Friday. So they're a little frantic. They don't know how they're going to get it all done. And, you know, our first job as producers is to say, all good. We're going to make this work. Um, you know, we'll take care right. of you guys and uh, kind of put them at ease because if they're not at ease, then it's going to just kind of snowball into the rest of the the steps of the project on our end. And it will make our engineer, you know, it's it just it's the whole vibe is thrown off if of we're not you, you know supportive from the get go. Right. That gives them confidence. Yeah, in you. exactly. Yeah. So um, in the room, when when we are in the room and when we're not working from home. Uh, it can be anywhere from two to ten people. Um, it can be a, a associate producer, a producer, a copywriter, an executive creative director, um, the voiceover artist, um, the account supervisor. It, you know, the list goes on. Um, could be the SVP of the agency could be there. Um, the brand client could be there. Uh, so you really, you, you know, we never know. It really just depends on on who you're working with, the editor, the assistant editor, like there, you know, the list goes on of who could potentially show up for the session. And a lot of times we don't know everyone who's going to show up before. Thankfully, we have very large studios, so there's usually not too much of an issue if too many people show up because we have plenty of ample couches and seating right. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, you know, depending on the project, um, you know, there's a lot of, especially, so say it's a, a session that's recording and mixing. So they'll do the record first with the voiceover, um, you know, pick which takes they like, re-record if they need to. They usually have the voiceover for about an hour to two hours, depending on, you know, how long each copy of the scripts are. Um, and then, you know, they start laying everything in. Um, if we have to do a music search, the machine room is normally doing the music search simultaneously while the record's happening, pulling some tracks from uh, third-party vendors that we work with, getting those up for the mixer so that they're available and ready in a folder for them once they're ready to mix. And then it's just a kind of a lot of, let's see what works. Like, does this take work with, and how does this music sound with the voiceover layered over it? And do we have to pull sound effects? And if we do have to pull sound effects, are we layering them? Are we creating a soundscape? Or did we already do the sound design before? If we did, is it already in a good place and approved by everyone? Or do we have to, you know, play around with that even more? And then a lot of the times if, you know, the brand client isn't physically there, um, it's, you know, they get everything to a decent place with what the creative director, copywriter, producer from the agency, you know, wants. And then they send it off to client. 
And sometimes it's just waiting around in the room until there's a yes or no from the client. And oftentimes it's a no because clients, that's There's always clients. another idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, can we play around with this? Can we change mm. this? And, you know, that's why there, some of these sessions are so long, um, especially for larger campaigns like Super Bowl campaigns and stuff like that. Uh, so then, you know, back to the drawing board. Let's pull this other take. We think that this, you know, this take ha- was clipped at the end a little bit too much or the music's a little too hot or that sound effect is, you know, interfering with someone's with one of the words. You know, there's there's so many little things that that people are, are commenting on. And the, what I always think is so interesting is that a lot of the times these clients, you know, the brand client or someone who's not physically in the room. Uh, when we are able to be in the studio is that they're listening on headphones. And usually they're not listening on studio-grade headphones like the ones that I'm wearing right now <laughs> and the ones you're wearing right now. They're listening on, like, AirPods yeah. or earbuds of some sort or, you know, not necessarily the best quality of, of if you're sound lucky. that you're going to get. I mean, or yeah, they're just or on they're the just listening on their laptop. <laughs> yeah. And making critical decisions so it's and like, asking you for changes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, most of the ads out in the world right now, that's how people have been approving them. And, um, you know, it, I guess it's not that big of an issue. But I will say that I think that the quality of audio overall is much better when you're able to, you know, QC it on B&H uh, speakers. There you go. <laughs> But um, a, a lot of the times when the producers are called in to a session when it's happening in the studio, it's because something's wrong. Okay. Yeah. So either they're they're scared that, and it's not because our engineer did anything wrong. Right. It's usually like the client, you know, isn't getting back to us. We're running out of time. We're running out of money. We need to book more time. We might go into overtime. Like, what can, like, how can you help us, or what can we do? And that's where where we come in. And um, that, or it's, hey, we decided we're going to produce even more stuff for this campaign, and we need more time, and we have more money, and that's the that's the best reason to be called into the studio. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a laundry list of things that could happen, and uh, you know, some a few times I've been called in just to give my opinion. Like, do you think this sounds better? Do you think this sounds better? Um, or, you know, if they need something foleyed really quick, I absolutely love doing sound design and helping to f- helping Foley sound. Those are the best so. days in my opinion. Foley days. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much fun. I could get lost yeah. in that. <laughs> but you just said something that I think is, shouldn't be glossed over the idea of, you know, that second opinion. I can say mm-hmm. firsthand, a lot of people on the engineering side, um, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there are plenty of people who um, they don't really consider that. You know, they hold their work sacred sometimes, and we got to get over that as engineers. Um, get, you get so close to a project, you don't hear. You know, it's like seeing the forest through the trees type of a thing. You need somebody with a fresh mm-hmm. start, with a fresh opinion, fresh set of ears who hasn't been diving into it for the past hour or two. Especially with someone, maybe like you mentioned, if you're in a situation where it's kind of stressful with the client, you ran out of money, ran out of time, ran out of everything else and you're kind of in that zone, it's probably better to, in the end, say, hey, what do you think? <laughs> you know, it's going to be their Yeah, I mean, anyway, we've so had... The sooner you get it. Yeah, we've we've had quite a few instances where, and, and this happens, honestly, like, with anything. It could happen with editorial, it could happen with color, it could happen with VFX, like, literally anything. Where you're, like you said, you're just so honed in and invested into what you're doing that 
you just need a fresh set of eyes or a fresh pair of ears to just gloss over something and say, did you not hear that little tick in the background or that high-pitched ring that's kind of weirdly uh, lingering underneath the voiceover? Or one time uh, we were working on a campaign um, for, actually it was uh, two two or three years ago? Three years ago, wow. Um, For Bud Light. It was right when the Dilly Dilly campaign began. Mm. And, you know, it was all, like, the medieval style, like, old English accents and everything. <laughs> and there was a word that was being said that sounded like a derogatory term. And I caught it right before it went out. And I was like, we It wasn't. It just had – it just we sounded – We can't do that. It was just yeah. the pronunciation and because of the accent. And it was like yeah, – that would have been it, a disaster. It, it, and I <laughs> – yeah, and everyone had been looking at it and listening to it for so long that no one else really heard it. And then the minute we, myself and the EP of Sound Lounge at the time, heard it, we were like, um, we have to call the editorial and tell them. Because the editorial had booked us with the, you know, through the yeah. agency. Or the agency booked us through the editorial. So I got on the phone with the editorial producer and I was like, hey, I don't mean to, like, throw a wrench into this. I know this needs to go out, like, ASAP. But, like, I, I have to say something. And then they had to re-record, like, one line really quick and, like, slide it in. And and thankfully, it wasn't, like, you know, to, you know, ADR, like, having to sync to the person on on camera. Yeah. So I was like, whew, thank God. But, you know, little things like that, um, you know, it's it's understandable. And that's also why the producer's there to make sure that, you know, we're that extra set of support. We're that extra set of ears. We're, you know, we're the safety net. It's not an ego thing. It's not a slate against anyone in the team. The whole point is it is a team for this reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. exactly. Um, And that's that's one of the things I like about this kind of, this this side of the work. You know, I like that part. I love feedback. I love getting, um, it's funny, like, again, and I'm not trying to like, slam my people here, my audio people, but sometimes we don't like being told that something isn't, that we did isn't that great. But honestly, the quicker you get the feedback from the person who, because, you know, we we aren't working on our own projects here. This isn't the Becca project. Yeah. It's not the Adam project. It's Mm-mm. whoever's project. And the quicker they tell you yes or no or give you their feedback, that's much better. You're going to waste less time. You're not going to go down some rabbit trail, right? <laughs> working out yeah. some idea that really they don't want. And it's not that it was a bad idea. It's just not what they want. They're not paying for it. <laughs> so just get them what yeah. they're paying for and get them what they want. Exactly. And it's like, you know, there's big egos in advertising already. So, like, on the post side, let's just, like, put them right. aside for just a little chill. bit and, like, take that constructive <laughs> criticism. And I, I also think it has something to do with the fact that we um, – it's, it's the way you deliver it. So, you know, you uh, I, I like to start with, like, a compliment. Mm-hmm. This sounds really amazing. Uh, I just wanted to ask a quick question about, and then I bring up the little thing that I want to ask about. Yeah. So it's not saying like, I think this could be better or like, yeah, it's, <laughs> with, I, I call them and, and <laughs> the sandwich. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's just like there's, there's a little bit of constructive criticism in the middle and then there's gold, like pieces of bread on the outside saying like, you did a great job. Can you make this, the, can you make the rest of it just as great? Like, yeah. that's it. <laughs> it's very good. It's all right. It's all in the delivery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, deadlines. Um, I don't think anybody's got crazier deadlines than in the ad world. 
And and <laughs> right? man, oh my god! And you mentioned too, it's like audio because we're you know we're talking about audio. Audio is always the last part of the equation. You know, it's the same thing on film sets. It's like you know the. <laughs> The LD spends and the grips spend like three hours lighting and everyone's going, where is audio? After that 10 minutes that they get mm -hmm. is taking 11 minutes. You know, <laughs> it's the same thing yeah. with ads. You know, all the copyright yeah. and all the back and forth and then the video and the animation and everything. And then it's, we're waiting on audio and we haven't even gotten it yet. So it's there's always mm -hmm. this, I need it yesterday. It seems like it, you know. And then yeah, um, do you want to talk too about so I don't know if everyone understands this, but like oftentimes, not with every spot, but like there's usually it's, it's, you know, sometimes we can work on a single spot, but oftentimes there's a campaign and those campaigns will have a term. Sometimes it's several months and they're kind of planned at the outset sometimes. So you might record them all at, at, in one mm -hmm. shot. So do you see that a lot too with SoundLaunch, right? Yeah. So um, most of the Reese's commercials that you see on air now um, and throughout the past two years uh, for all the holidays and different, you know, events that go on throughout the year, uh, they're pretty much all recorded at one time or like between two days because it's celebrity voiceover. It's uh, Will Arnett. Um, and, you know, he's available for whatever day and that's when we got to yeah, record that's him. More efficient. So, yeah. um, yeah, and you know some of that, some of that stuff that's recorded then is immediately released if it's right before. A lot of the times, weirdly, it ends like it's right around the holidays. So, um, the, you know, there's obviously holiday campaigns for for Reese's, but um, you know, a lot of the time it's like we're recording Easter stuff in December, and um, or I mean, at the beginning of this year, we did a Christmas campaign for not for Reese's for another um, brand for this coming year. So it was like January, we were doing the Christmas campaign for 2020. And I was like, well, I mean, at least I guess they're ahead of the game. So well, hopefully good for it them. Was timely. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll see if they have to redo everything yeah. after knowing what this year has unfolded. Into well, the I know that, yeah. I mean, but, our, so much of the work personally that we did here in the fall last year and early part of like the winter, it just got canned. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't, you just have to be yeah. relevant. You know, it's all these, you know, live action spots with people hanging out. It's like, you can't run mm -hmm. that in March and April and June. Yeah. Sorry. Like I mean, you we just even lost had, like tens yeah. and tens of thousands of dollars on some of these spots. We had a lot of clients who even, um, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic when lockdown started and everyone was working from home, they were, they were enlisting us to work on these campaigns. And a lot of them, still haven't hit air because they are like people dancing, dancing around with no masks on yeah. in like public places or, um, you know, hugging and kissing each other on the cheek in like, you know, on the sidewalk or something or strangers like meeting up with each other and, or, or meeting each other out, you know, in public. And it's just like, you can't, you can't show that stuff right now. So, um, yeah, it's just like a whole new trend of advertising. It's been very interesting to navigate through these past yeah. few months. Hey, would you also mind touching on, you know, because I know you do, um, it's not just radio and television spots that you're, you're doing at Sound Lounge. There's a lot of creative happening. And I would love to hear from someone in your position to just talk about how you see like audio playing a role right now, 
with telling the story, with selling the service, with whatever, you know, the CTA needs to be. How is audio supporting those things today? Because I think what I'm seeing is there's a lot of changes happening. It's creating a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. So everyone, you know, it's listening. Like, these are things you can go after. Do you want to talk about, like, just some of the more creative ways that you're seeing audio being utilized with SoundLounge? Yeah. Um, I think even, you know, outside of just sound, post-production in general is uh, playing a much larger role in the creative process of a lot of the campaigns that we're seeing out there right now because productions have changed. So it's a lot of smaller scale productions, which means a lot of more, a lot more animation and, uh, you know, things that are being created and manipulated in post-production. Um, the other thing is that, you know, if you're, if you're shooting on a smaller scale, you might not be able to to capture those on-set production sounds that you normally would have if you were, you know, shooting out in the open somewhere um, or on a busy sidewalk or a street or, you know, whatever it may be that that that, that campaign is trying to embody. So we've noticed a lot more that we'll get a request for, like, sound design or, you know, we'll, we know that sound effects are going to have to be pulled uh, we haven't even started to edit yet, but once we do start editing, can we have your editor or our editor and your sound designer and your mixer work hand in hand to make sure that they're really creating this soundscape that is being, you know, told throughout the edit as opposed to just this has been edited. We pulled a few sound effects. Can you replace them because we can't use any of them like that, which which was typically happening a lot before. And, and there's plenty of times where we're, you know you know, in the past before all of this, where we're working on um, the sound design from the get-go. But I've definitely noticed that people are really leaning on us to be able to take their projects to the next level, um, you know, even with voices and, and a lot of the sound effects. Like, I've had to record plenty of Foley of just, like, my voice in the background of something. Or mm. if anyone's heard the new Grubhub campaign at the end, the little jingle that everyone's going, Grubhub! Hey, my voice. <laughs> <famous>. um, <laughs> so yeah, little things like that. Um, but you know, we had to layer a few things over that, a few, a few different voices and we kept calling it minionizing our All voices right. because it's really high pitched. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, um, while, you know, work, you know, of course for everyone slowed down for a little bit in the beginning of lockdown, um, it's definitely been a more personal experience, even though we're not able to see everyone in person because people are really leaning on us more than ever to make sure that technically things are working properly and creatively. Um, you know, they, if they've, if the agency laid a bunch of creatives off or, you know, doesn't have the budget to hire a freelancer for those purposes, that we're the ones who are able to see a rough cut, see a, see a board, um, or some some scripts if it's if it's radio and give our expert opinion and that's that's what we're here for. That's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and it, I'm I'm glad that you're seeing. So so again, because we're last in line, <laughs> just the way the production process works. Yeah, like yeah. you mentioned, like sometimes it's like there's this whole bit of creative, and then they're like, oh yeah, we need audio here instead of thinking audio in yeah. the beginning as part of the messaging. So I'm glad like that's, yeah, mm -hmm. I've noticed some of that as well, just because, um, and even with the advent of, you know, a lot of home, home assistants, you know, Alexa and things like that, you know, we don't always have, or, or, or um, brands don't always have everyone's eyes any longer. 
or everywhere exactly. right now. So they're leaning more mm-hmm. on audio. So it's becoming more of um, an audio focused landscape, you know, with, with those mm-hmm. devices and, and, and with those products, um, which again, yeah. everybody means more jobs, more opportunity. <laughs> so go for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't fight um, it. Are there any projects you want to mention quick before we wrap up that, that people should check out and take interest in? Yeah. Um, well, if you if anyone is on Instagram and follows Sound Lounge NY on Instagram, we usually post um, some relevant current projects that are on air um, or things that we're working on. Also, some like little fun work from home highlights. Uh, but we are in the middle of working on two amazing Black Lives Matter projects, mm. which I'm really excited for those two Um hit the TV and online videos and Instagram and all this stuff. Um, we are being enlisted for some ASMR stuff, which is really oh, exciting. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's it's funny because I know that there's people who, like, specifically work on just ASMR. So, like, when we're able to, like, be included in that, like, like I said, Foley and sound design is, like, so exciting for me. So I'm, I don't think I'll actually, like, be able to be the one of the artists yeah. on it, but I, just to be a part of it is, is exciting. I mean, um, that even hit Super Bowl this past year. Do you remember that? With the ASMR? Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. forgot. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, person who spent million dollars on that ad. I can't remember who it was that did it, but <laughs> <laughs> seeing more of it. Yeah, ASMR has definitely taken, like, it's like this whole big, like, fad now. So it's it's exciting. This is actually something that will not beat a picture, so that's even cooler. So it's all yeah. audio. It's like... Um, and then, uh, we are in the middle of, and, uh, recently released the first episode of the M- uh, Massachusetts General Hospital podcast called Charged, which is about the women leading healthcare. And a lot of the doctors that, and, and, uh, healthcare professionals that are being interviewed are talking about their experience over the last few months with coronavirus and, um, you know, the, the challenges that they've faced, the long hours that they worked, um, their predictions for the future. And, uh, you know, Massachusetts General Hospital is one of the largest, most prominent, well-known hospitals in right. the country and maybe even in the world. So it's been very rewarding to be able to listen to all of their stories because I stay present for most of, if not all of the recordings, which we're doing remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really wild hearing the, the stories that these women are, are telling and the things that they've experienced, not just during the past few months, but just in their careers in general. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm so glad that you agreed to be on this show because you, you, you spoke about everything I was hoping you would speak about. So I, I love to kind of show everybody, uh, you know, who's ready to start a career in audio and who's even working in audio. Like there's so much involved in, in this industry. So what I've heard today and, and, Bring up some things if I forget. I'm hearing all these opportunities like podcasts. I'm hearing radio. I'm hearing television, which we knew about. I'm also hearing, you know, like A-list celebrities. I'm hearing very large, poshy recording studios. I'm hearing working with amazing creative people and teams, uh, supportive teams. Um, I'm hearing ASMR. Uh, I mean, th- there's so many things. And again, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of people you know, doing, you know, what we do who, you know, when they were 13, they watched television, they saw an ad with a voiceover and thought, I want to go into audio. I love the idea of recording voiceover. It's usually not the thing that like gets people going really excited on that path. It's usually the loudest yeah. kick drum and a guitar solo or some cool film. 
And those things are really cool, but I'm hearing a lot of awesome things in the ad side that I would really encourage people to check out. There's a great career uh, available in advertising and in podcasting and all those things. Um, and it's cool because in that field, you're bouncing. It's not like the same thing every day. You know, a lot of sound design, like you mentioned, Foley. It's an awesome place mm-hmm. to live. Highly encourage everybody to check it out. Is there anything you can add to that that I'm missing? Like, what are some more of the perks? Um, well, before the pandemic, the events are always really fun to right, go yeah. to. <laughs> um, and the award shows. I mean, getting accolades for the work that you see or that you've worked on and that the whole world or the whole country or, you know, whatever, wherever your spots are airing. Um, I think that's one of the most proud moments whenever I get to see a commercial that I know we worked on, uh, whether it's an ad on Instagram, if I'm watching TV, um, or especially during Super Bowl season, which we'll see what that's like yeah. this year. Um, got got my first project on the Super Bowl last year, so that was pretty exciting for me. So yeah, and it was amazing. With an ad, you know, so, yeah, all this stuff—it's awesome. It's really exciting to see your work on a really big stage like that. You know, I mean, it's why yeah. not be rewarded every now and then, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, Becca, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you so much. I love seeing your posts on, on LinkedIn. Everyone check out uh, Becca on LinkedIn. You can check out Sound Lounge at soundlounge.com. And don't forget your free gift, adamclaremont.com slash client list. I've got this guide that will just help you get started, you know, put that first best foot forward and how to get the clients that you've always wanted to work with. So adamclaremont.com slash client list, soundlounge.com. Becca, thank you so, so much for, for coming on and just sharing so much great information with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Uh, don't forget, Becca's also got a podcast. What is it again? The It's called You're Excused. And then um, the other podcast I host is called Mill Talk. That's right, Mill Talk. And there's a lot of great industry, uh, there's a lot of great industry talk on Mill Talk as well. So there you have it, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you can be notified every week for videos just like this to help you start and grow a career. Until then, I'll see you later. Bye.